We're going to continue in our sermon series, Help Me Believe. Actually, we're concluding our sermon series, Help Me Believe. We've talked about a number of different things. First week, we talked about how the resurrection can really help us with all doubts when it comes to Christianity and equip us to be able to help those who might have doubts when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about believing despite our circumstances. When we have what we call unanswered prayers, which are really not unanswered, but it's God saying no or not yet, and how the call to persevere through that. We talked about how God can still work in our lives when we had his word and his spirit in our lives and the fellowship. He can still do some amazing things, a la what Brian Lapel shared earlier. And then also how we can get over our fears, that admitting to our fear and getting God's perspective in view, and then we can follow his direction. And so today we're going to be talking about help me believe when my heart is hard. You can go to the next slide there. Help me believe when my heart is hard. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I'm excited about what you have been teaching me. God, I pray that you would communicate this message clearly. Father, so that every soul can have their faith increased today. That every soul will make a decision today to do something whether it be a little bit of faith that they gained or they gained a whole lot of faith. God, I pray that every single soul here will take a step of faith. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're talking about a hard heart. Next slide. What is a hard heart? What does that look like? Let's go ahead. Let's get a couple of people to answer because we're talking about this. So let's get to make sure we're, we have an idea of what we mean by a hard heart. So what is a hard heart spiritually and what does that look like? Yes. Not caring about somebody. Not caring about somebody. Okay, yes. Um, just focusing on yourself. Just focusing on yourself. Okay, all right. Is that Gene there? Yes. Prideful. I don't need to learn a thing. Okay. All right. Here we go. Bitterness. Bitterness. All right. We'll go uh, white t-shirt here. Uh, not being joyful. Not being joyful. Brother, what's your name? Zach. Zach. We know each other, right? <laughs> Last year at team camp, right? There you go. There you go. I remember you. I remember you. There you go. Zach. All right. There you go. Awesome. All right. There you go. Yes. Unwilling to listen. Unwilling to listen. All right. I think we have one more. Yes. Stubborn. Stubborn. And so we all will agree that having a hard heart spiritually, mostly mentally, is not a good thing. But spiritually, I would make the case that a hard heart is the biggest hindrance to our faith. A hard heart is the biggest hindrance to our faith. You know, physically, you can get a hard heart. I don't know if you knew that. But physically, your heart can get hard. And it goes from this soft tissue to something hard, and there's calcification. It's really the accumulation of calcium salts hardening the soft tissue. So instead of that heart being soft and being able to beat and have the blood pump through, it gets hard, and so therefore we have a serious problem. Spiritually, when our hearts get hard, we have a serious problem that will lead to spiritual death. And so again, I believe a hard heart is the biggest hindrance to our faith. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. 
And it makes sense because even if we think about our physical heart, we don't want any type of puncture, any type of traumatic experience because, again, those are actually the things that will produce this calcification. And so we need to make sure that we're guarding our hearts because if it gets corrupted, it gets hard, it will lead to spiritual death. And so when we reject God's warnings, it's usually, no, not usually, it comes from a hard heart. Well, we have a hard heart, we won't understand his commands for our lives. We will get prideful, we won't listen, but ultimately we'll lose faith and leave God. So now what causes a hard heart and what is the prescription for it? Turn over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. I want us to get a little context here. You can go back Hebrews chapter 3 there. And uh, right here we see Hebrews was a letter written to uh, the church there. They believe, they're not sure who exactly wrote the letter of Hebrews, but it was written to a church that was definitely had a Jewish background, probably Jewish Christians, at about the time of 60 to 8, 70 AD. And these were followers of Jesus who were in danger of abandoning their faith and falling away from God. And possibly, not possibly, but returning to their old lives. And so the letter is written to remind the people of Jesus' superiority and the superiority of the new covenant that Jesus ushered in. And so therefore a call to persevere. Don't fall back but persevere and keep going. And so that's really the whole theme and story of the letter of Hebrews. And so we're going to take it up in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. Brothers and sisters, are you with me this morning? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible reads, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during a time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. We'll stop right there for a quick second. So the writer in Hebrews, he's at, or they're actually quoting Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. And Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11 is dealing and addressing the, uh, the, the situation that took place with the Israelites when they moved from the promised land and they're on their, I mean, they left to go to the promised land. And they had some significant moments that's recorded in Exodus and in Numbers in which the people rebelled against God's word. They doubted God's promises. And so they were bitter and they grumbled against God. And so then they rebelled and they complained because of their doubts in his promises. But for about 40 years, there was a general sense and activity of rebellion and complaining and doubting of God. And so that's what's being referred here. And so it says, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And so we stop right here in Hebrews chapter 3. And, and what's the writer saying? It's calling the people, heed this warning. Heed this warning. And the warning still applies to those of us today who read these words. Don't repeat the same mistakes. 
We're familiar with what happened to the Israelites. So please don't repeat their mistakes. Don't have a hard heart toward God and his promises. And it's something interesting right there because it mentions rebellion and the hardening of hearts together. There's this link between a hard heart and rebellion. And true, when we think about this, that the hardening of the heart takes place whenever anyone rejects God's call or instructions. Whenever you and I decide we are going to reject, we are going to push to the sides, we are going to defy, we are going to cast to the side God's call and promises, what starts to happen? That spiritual calcification starts to take place and sin starts to accumulate in the hearts. And now you have the planting. Now you have the growing and the producing of a spiritually hard heart. We continue. In verse 12, it reads, next slide. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it, as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. We'll stop right there. And we see he furthers this point, trying to grab our attention to understand that there's really a progression that takes place. That when we have some sin, it starts to create unbelief. This unbelief starts to eventually become this turning away from God. So again, this spiritual calcification uh, starts to take place and sin is continuing to accumulate. And so therefore, God's promises we disbelieve. And therefore, eventually we turn away from the living God. And so we're seeing the seriousness again. And I would argue that the biggest issue, as we've looked at, we've looked at a number of different things, but the biggest issue for our faith aren't some of these things when we have hard times. Yes, that's hard. When God doesn't answer the prayer when we want it to, yes, that's hard. But the biggest cause of our doubt is our sin. It's our sin that starts to harden our hearts and produce unbelief. And it says something interesting. It says so that you won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, sin deceives. It deceives by exaggerating the benefits of disobedience and hiding its consequences. It exaggerates. Hey, you're going to get so many benefits if you do this. But I won't tell you about the consequences. We're familiar with the medical or drug commercials, right? You see those? They're promoting some drug that they're like, oh, your life's going to be great. And, you know, so-and-so is joyful with never, you know, this, 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 this great time, right? You're like, wow, they look awesome. They're like floating on air. And then you hear this voice in the back, right? And it's like, uh, yes, if you take this, you could potentially have never-ending diarrhea, possibly lose all your limbs and lose all your five senses. But you're totally deceived. You're like, man, you see that? Look at them. They're over here hiking. They look healthy. 
I didn't hear what he said, but man, that looks awesome, right? You know, sin is like that. It exaggerates all the benefits from disobedient. But I'm just going to hide those consequences. You know, yes, you can have sex outside of marriage. It'll be so good and it's so natural. Everybody's doing it. But what about those consequences of STDs, of affairs, of insecurities, and more? Hey, if I, you just lie, you'll get away with it. Nobody would know. Or maybe you'll get promoted if you just lie. I want to tell you about the broken trust, the broken relationships, the loss of the job when the truth is discovered. The false promises, hey, seek money first and your life will be fulfilled. But the consequences of the corruption of your character, the removal of integrity, the damaged relationships that come from the neglect or the abandonment in the pursuit of money. But let's be honest, we can all fall for this, can't we? We can all believe the exaggerations and then start to doubt that there will be consequences. You know, a hardened heart is not a sudden aberration, but a habitual state of mind and continual practice of unaddressed sin. It doesn't happen just once. I tripped and fell. Oh, my heart is hard. No, it happens through time, this accumulation of not addressing properly the sin that is going on in our lives. So it's important then if it takes time, hey, we better start noticing these symptoms. Right? We better start noticing what's going on. So let's talk about some of these symptoms. Next slide here. Some of the symptoms of a hard heart. First one, a critical attitude. A critical attitude. To me, this is the clearest sign that someone's heart is hard. Critical. Critical. And something, man, that, that's my gift. God's giving me that gift to be critical. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. A critical heart is different than a critical mind. You see, we can think critically, but that's different than being critical. This is a critical posture, critical comments, a critical view. These are all signs of a hard heart. See, because the fruit of the Spirit, that means the results, the production of God's Spirit being in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So when you have those things in your life, you don't have a posture of being critical. But when you have critical in your life, then how can you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? You guys see what I'm saying? These are some of the symptoms. Next one, bitterness. It can be toward God or people. Upset, God, you didn't give me what I wanted. Why'd you let this happen to me? And these are all real legit things, but we haven't processed them correctly. And so then we're Bitter towards God, our situation, our lives. For, bitter towards people. We won't forgive them for what they did. And forgiveness is hard. And many times it's a process that God will have us go through. But when we're resisting to it and there's bitterness. Again, how do you see the fruit of the spirits? It says love keeps no record of wrongs. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And Jesus calls us to love our enemies by doing good to them. So when there's bitterness, that shows it's not a heart that's ready, that's willing to give love, but it's hardened. Next one we see is really more sin. 
Willie Moore saying there's no repentance. There's no decision to change. It just starts to snowball. And what takes place is that the same sin is repeated or it becomes even bigger and a cycle really is created. And so we have this sin. We didn't deal with it. And so now what happens is we have more doubt. And then it creates this more sin because we're doubtful. We're like, well, I don't know if I really should do this. So now I'm going to do even more of the things that I said I wasn't going to do. So now I have even less and less faith. And I have more and more doubt. So I might as well keep doing the bad things more. Do you guys see what I'm saying? A cycle is created. We stop confessing. We don't make decisions to change or to repent. These are signs and symptoms of a hard heart. Last one here uh, uh, is a lack of faith. Again, this is what we're talking about. We doubt God's promises. I don't know if they're, can, they're real. I don't know if they apply to me. We doubt that God's principles will work in our life. If I really live like this, I don't know if I'll see the return on my investments. I don't know if there's spiritually ROI for God's principles in my life. We start to believe our way is better and best. And we doubt that sin is really toxic. And we doubt that God's commands are actually good. And we doubt that God is worth living for. And consider more and more the idea of quitting on God. We can also mention, we didn't have it up here, but we can also mention here actually being disconnected from the church body. Sign and symptom of a hard Hearts. And you know, all of these are caused by a continual state of undealt with sin. So I ask you, do you have any of these symptoms today? Do you have any people in your life that are showing these symptoms in their life? And so now we have to identify, or now we have to learn from God's word. Okay, if those are the symptoms, God, what is your prescription for a hard heart? Help us. And the scriptures will teach us right here. First one, relationships in the church. Look at Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 again. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. If the readers of Hebrews tried to live in isolation, temptations and sin would overwhelm them. Why? Because it makes sense. It's certainly easier for an individual to be misled while they're isolated from other Christians than when they're sharing in fellowship with others. You see, the relationships in the church, God said, this is one of the antidotes. This is one of the antidotes to being healed of a hard heart. And that means every single person alive needs spiritual relationships that help us with our hearts. If you think you can do this on your, on your own, you're blinded and foolish. God designed the church. He says, here's a big reason why I have you together. So you can help each other's hearts. Not to get hard. Not to leave me. And he says to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. You know, it is impossible to help one another unless you are actually present. You get what I'm saying? If I don't show up, how can I encourage you? Text? That ain't really going to work that well. I appreciate the brothers being and going over to Brian and, and spending time with them. Brian, you didn't mention me. I did go several times, but it's all good. 
But I appreciate they were there with him to encourage him. What does that mean, brothers and sisters, that we need to look after one another like our spiritual lives depend on it? Because it does. And it's not just the responsibility of the church leaders or the family group leaders. It is on every single individual to see to it that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart. You know, I love, I love being around Kenny Barber. Man, that's, Kenny's one, one of my good friends here. And I just love how Kenny is constantly involved in people's lives and trying to help them not to have a sinful, unbelieving heart. Constantly. He'll be talking about people that I was like, man, you, you hung out with them? He's like, yeah, we got together last week. It's just so encouraging. So I want to ask you, are you encouraging or are you waiting for others? Or maybe you're waiting for others to encourage you. Real quickly here, we have honesty and repentance. You know, this is implied with this passage here. It's implied that we have relationships, number one, but that we're honest about what's really going on in our lives. And that we're honest about what we see in each other's lives. And then there's a call to do something. We're not just sitting there getting together and going, man, I'm really doing terrible in this area. And everybody just says, well, you got a nice jacket on, Marcel. See you later. That's not the encouragement. It's encouraged to do the right thing, to get at least one in a row. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, people can't help you if you don't share what's real. I love Steve Stevenson and Pablo Padilla. You know, when you talk to Steve Stevenson, uh, uh, man, he, he just, he tells you what's really going on, Kyle, right? We're in groups with, with Steve Stevenson, and you're like, man, uh, you gave me a whole lot of details right there. <laughs> Pablo will send a text, hey, here's where, here's where my thoughts are at. Here's what I'm feeling. Just being transparent and open. And again, this leads to repentance. Next one, last one here for the prescription here, perseverance. Go to the next uh, slide there, Hebrews 3. It says, if we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. This is a call to persevere. And so we see here when we have relationships, when we're honest and when we hold on, we say, I'm still going to try. I'm still going to take that step of faith, even though I doubt that the ground is secure. I'm still going to do it. The prescription for the hard heart is received and it starts to produce the healing and the softness being regenerated. And so again, next slide here, the symptoms and, and prescriptions here that we see critical attitude, bitterness, more sin, lack of faith, but the prescription, the church, the relationships, the honesty and repentance and the perseverance. Next slide here. I want to mention something real quickly here. It says, as it has just been said today, now this is interesting. It said it just twice in that little passage and it says it in Hebrews chapter four. So it says it three times in the letters. It says today. The call for the hour is not tomorrow. The call of the hour is today. Amen. I read this, this quote here and I wanted to read it. I thought it was just fabulous. Go ahead. And it says this. It says, while it is called today, while the today lasts, the day of grace, before the coming of the day of glory and judgment at Christ's coming, tomorrow is the day when idle men work and fools repent. Tomorrow is Satan's today. He cares not what good re resolutions you form, if only you fix them for tomorrow. It makes sense, right? Tomorrow is Satan's favorite day. Don't, don't make that decision today. Do it tomorrow. 
You don't have time today. Do it tomorrow. Don't call him or her today. Call them tomorrow. You don't need to change today. Change tomorrow. And we see this lie that continues the hardening. And this is why the call for you and me is not tomorrow, but today. To make a decision right now. To walk out of here saying, I've made a decision for Christ and my faith and my brothers and sisters. And I'm not going to wait till Monday at 3 o'clock. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to have a conversation today. I don't care what my schedule is. It's going to happen. We need to make sure, brothers and sisters, we are people of today and not people of tomorrow. This is the call for the hour. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Do it today. And so let's get real practical here. Let's have some action steps for today. Number one, evaluate. Where is my heart? Do I have the symptoms? Where do I see these things that were mentioned? What do I need to do? And then let me evaluate also. Let me think about others who might be having a hard heart. Let me evaluate the brothers and sisters in my family group. Do I see the symptoms there? What can I do? And then secondly, make a decision to encourage. He says, go and see to it. Encourage one another daily. So set up a time to meet up. You can't meet up today. Say, brother and sister, I want to set up a time today so that me and you can get together because, man, I love you and I want to speak some life into you. And so this isn't later on in the week. God is calling you and he's calling me to have an action step today to evaluate and then to encourage. Again, the biggest hindrance to our faith is sin because it hardens the heart and causes disbelief. We need a heart checkup. Check the symptoms and then take the prescription. We need to address the symptoms we see in our brothers and sisters. And we need to make sure we have relationships in the church. There's honesty, there's transparency that leads to re repentance. And then there's perseverance. You know, I have to say this real quickly. This used to be a staple in our fellowship, but I fear it's becoming less common. This used to be a staple. It was an overall general sense. We were all constantly evaluating and we were constantly committed to encouraging one another. But I believe with humble and willing souls, God can revive and do even more so in our fellowship going forward. Imagine what our church would look like if we all daily evaluated and encouraged. Imagine the breakthroughs in our fellowship. Imagine the relationships, the close-knit relationships in our family groups. Imagine the stories of redemption that would be shared at every gathering. Imagine your heart soft, empty, void of bitterness, but fully able to love people like Christ. Let's close out in Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, O.C. Church, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. 
as just had been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. May we overcome a hard heart with belief. Amen.